Welcome to Next in Q, the podcast for contact center and customer experience professionals. Next in Q is brought to you by Happy Two Vision. Eliminate blind spots and see right through every conversation with Happy Two Vision. Learn more at ajppitu.com. Now, here's your host, Rob Dwyer. Thanks again for joining another episode of Next in Q. Today, I am joined by an international man of mystery. Marcos Tatsijewski, welcome to the show. How are you? Hello, Rob. Thank you for the, the introduction. Yes, I used to say that when police find me, I must move. So <laughs> I'm moving a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's talk about uh, first things first. Uh, where are you from? And then let's maybe talk a little bit about your family lineage as well, because when I say international man of mystery, I, I really do mean that. Okay. Well, I'm Brazilian. I'm Brazilian. I'm from Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo, as many people know, is, is the biggest city. It's not a capital of Brazil, but it's the, the, the most important city in, in Brazil. Uh, it's almost... Uh, 20 million people living in Sao Paulo now uh, and uh, I'm originally from Sao Paulo but I traveled a lot I, I lived in, in the U.S. in Colorado I lived in Barcelona I lived in, in Buenos Aires and now I'm living uh, in Paraguay in Asuncion that is the capital of Paraguay a small country in the heart of South America uh, my grandparents are all uh, Russian Russian, Ukrainian, you know, when they, when they uh, get out from, from where they were born, uh, there was no Russia, Ukraine, there no, no borders at the time. But my, my father was French and my mother Brazilian. Uh, and now I'm living in Paraguay. My wife is, is Paraguayan, so it's a mix. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely quite the mix. So uh, let's, I really want to, as I do with most of my guests, I like to go a little bit back in time and I like to find out kind of how you got into this business. And you are the only person I have ever met who worked at Club Med. So okay. tell me about Club Med. Well, and, and I worked at Club Med at a different time when Club Med was uh, still owned by the, the original family, the founders of Club Med, the Trigano family. Trigano, it's, it's a French family. Uh, they, they, they founded Club Med after the war. It's a very interesting, I think it's a very interesting uh, story because uh, Club Med was um, something that the, the Belgium government asked, asked uh, to, a, to a, a, a sports hero, uh, there was a, a Olympic champion in water polo, a Jewish Olympic champion from Belgium, um, to do something with the Jewish that, that uh, came back from the, the, the Nazi concentration camps and cannot adjust. So uh, he found, found a, a partner, Mr. Trigano, uh, that used to sell old uh, old uh, tents and war stuff. 
And they, they found the most cheap place to rent in, in Europe was uh, Palma de Mallorca. Now Palma de Mallorca, it's a very, very expensive place. It's just beside Ibiza. Uh, and they rented a space and they started like a camp. It was a, like a camp with, you know, the fire, guitar, and some friends. And the first, um, the first edition was so successfully that people asked next summer, can I bring my, my friends? So uh, they started the business 70 years ago. I worked for Club Med when I was 19, 20 years old. Um, it was... Well, you, 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 we always say that uh, our time was the best time, but yeah, actually um, our time was still a time where Club Med was really uh, customer-centered and uh, the people that worked in Club Med, Club Med is, they call it GO, Gentile Organizers uh, in French. Um, the, 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 the spirit of CX, the spirit of Having the customer in the, in the center of the action and the center in the center of the uh, of, of the decisions was uh, something that I learned in Club Med. Uh, it, it was a time that we had no free, uh, weekends or free time, or we worked twenty eight hours a day, and. If you are not happy, you must be smiling. If you, you, you can go to your bedroom if you are not good and they, they put somebody in your place, but you must do the things well done. Well, that was my first, I used to say, uh, it's, it was my, my CX university. I learned <laughs> more stuff, what I know about customers in, in Club Med uh, because you, you not only worked in your, your specialty, I, I was a squash teacher, a sports teacher, but it was only four hours of my day and the rest of the day I was having breakfast, lunch and dinner with the, the, the guests, uh, doing shows. And because of my, uh, uh, my good Portuguese, Spanish and French, uh, I became the, the, what I, we call the microphone in Club Med, the guy who <laughs> presents everything. <laughs> so I was always presenting things, uh, the games, shows and everything. And it gave me a, a, a very different um, approach about customers. I, I, everybody, every customer, 60, 600 people every, every week uh, knew me. <laughs> by, by, by my name and and salute me and and say their problems and my 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 fridge is not working my my shower is not working so we have always con constant contact with uh, with customers the real voice of customer uh, and i learned something in club med uh, you cannot leave like okay you have a problem with with your fridge it's not my problem i'm a, a squash teacher no, it's your problem. If you if you heard it from the customer, if you heard it from the guest, it's your problem. Mm, from mm -hmm. the beginning to end. The, now we call it close the loop. Right. But, so uh, closing the loop was something I learned when I was 20 years old. 
Uh, and I think it was the beginning of my career in, in CX, my formal career in CX. And I worked for Plumet for almost five years. And it's incredible because living in Paraguay, I, I worked in Clomed in Brazil and living in Paraguay uh, 30 years later, I mean, last year, two ex-guests from Club Med, from my time in Club Med 30 years ago, recognized me in, in, in business meetings. <laughs> one, one of them is a, is a very important businessman in Paraguay where we are, in the middle of a, a very important business meeting. And he started, he stopped the meeting and said, you are Kiko, because people know me, uh, like my nickname is Kiko. You are Kiko. You are Kiko from Clement. And all the other guys in the meeting, like, what is happening? I remember you. I remember you were, you was in Clement. I remember you. So the, the, the interesting thing that is that guests still remember us. 30 years mm -hmm. ago later, and I have a bunch of friends that work it with me. And this experience is not only me, all the XGO, uh, all the people that work at Club Med 30 years ago with me, still meet people in the streets, uh, in meetings, and they, they are recognized and people remember the experience for more than 30 years. It's amazing. Yeah, it's that amazing. is amazing. The way that people really, I think we take for granted how people remember experiences and the impression we can make on people based on our interactions with them. And that yeah, really just hits the nail on the head. And I, I learned a lot of things in Med, but one thing I, I remember is one of my bosses telling me, well, a guy came, he, a guy works 51 weeks in one year to save money to came here for one week. Mm -hmm. He can sleep until, he can sleep until 11 a.m., but no, he will wake up at 7 a.m. <laughs> to have breakfast, to be ready to the squash class at 8 a.m. So you must be ready to give, the, to teach the class at 8 a.m., because the, the guy is choosing to be with you instead of sleeping. Mm, yeah. yeah. So you, you cannot fail. You, can, you, you, you cannot have any mistakes in this week for this guy. And it was not, it's not, it was not a, a culture of not doing mistakes, but it was a culture of trying it at the most. I mean, mm -hmm. we, we always try it. To, to really give the, the best experience possible. And another thing that is very inter interesting in PubMed culture that I, I think it's, it's good to talk about it is they, they get your best, um, what you do best and let you do only that. So I was good in uh, teaching squash. I was good doing shows I like to do shows, comic shows and everything. I was good in, in speaking languages. So they, they let me do only that. I was not good with numbers. Okay, I will not work with numbers. There is some guy or some girl that is good with numbers that will be doing only numbers. So this, yeah. is, a, this is a very good lesson to me. I mean, get the right people and let them do what they do best.
Mm, yeah, play to their strengths, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's so. Were you? I, you strike me as a pretty outgoing person. Were you like that before Club Med? Were you always like that? Or was that something that kind of came out while you were there? Well, when I was, I am the youngest of four. I have three sisters, three older sisters. And I was the, the nerd in my family, actually. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to study physics and, and I was really a nerd when I was a child. Um, and I was very, very shame, ashamed of, of talking with people and everything. Then I started to, to, to read, I, I love to read. Uh, I started to read uh, theater um, uh, plays, mm -hmm. plays uh, from Jean Paul Sartre and all kinds of, 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 of theatrical plays. Uh, it, it was a heritage from my, my parents. Uh, and I loved theater and I started to, to study theater and obviously acting was a way of being uh, to open my mind and my way of being with people. So when I was 15 years old, I was quite a, a, a easy talker. <laughs> I, mean, I, I talk <laughs> with everybody. Uh, I am no, no problem knowing people from since I was 15 years old. So when I when I arrived to Club Med, I was already ready for that. That's they, awesome. They was, it, it was not my my university; it was my master's degree. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, was the master's degree was the DJ and clown work after the master's degree or during <laughs> the master's? When did this happen? Tell well, tell me about. Uh, <laughs> Tell before me about and this. after, <laughs> before <laughs> and after. Uh, well, my I have a very very important relation with music. I love music. Uh, I love music so much that I started to play bass and classic guitar, and I stopped because I was so bad, and I love music so much. I don't want to do this to music, you know, and. Uh, my relation, especially with my father, was to music. Uh, my father, uh, our chats uh, after dinner was uh, listening to music. He showed me uh, his records. I show my records. Uh, he introduced me to, to um, like I remember, a black album with a prisma in the in the in the cover. I say that's no music. I mean that. Coins and, and noises, but it's not music, Pink Floyd. So <laughs> uh, uh, I, I started, I think the relation with music was uh, very important. And when I was 12 years old, um, we had a very important sound equipment home. And I said, I will be a DJ. I will make some money. <laughs> and I started to look for parties. Uh, between my friends and everything, where I can play music, when I can be, where I can be a DJ. So I, I really did it. Uh, some crazy friends hired me to, to 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 be a DJ in their parties. 13, 14 years old, and at the same time I was studying acting. So I started with the uh, with the 
the clown thing and the comedy thing. Uh, that, that is harder than, than drama. And everybody knows, I don't know if everybody knows, but drama, it's easier than, than comedy and, and clowning because making, making people smile, it's, it's very difficult. Uh, and I think it helped, helped me a lot with my career, with my business career. So this was the, now I, I used to say, I, I heard a lot of people saying, I worked with CX before CX had this name. Uh, and I, I agree. And I, I also agree that I uh, trained my soft skills, my soft skills before soft skills was called soft skills. Yeah. yeah. So the hard skills, it's, I think it's easier I think at me and I think and a lot of people think that it's easier to train people in hard skills, but soft skills, you need to be uh, into a culture to learn soft skills, uh, into a soft skills culture. And I, I was lucky enough to, to be part of a lot of soft skills cultures in my, in my early life. So when I, when I arrived to the, to, the, to the market, the business market, I was already trained in soft skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So what did you do when you left Club Med? I mean, was that a transition into what we would think more of the business world or did you do something else in between? Yes, in between, well, I fell in love <laughs> with an Argentinian girl. So I went to, to Buenos Aires. Buenos Aires is an amazing city. It's really, it's amazing. And now it, Argentina is, is to, uh, to a, a very bad time now, economic and social problems, mm -hmm. but uh, Buenos Aires is amazing. And I, I spent a year in, in Buenos Aires trying to, to convince the girl that outside Club Med, we can still be uh, <laughs> a couple. And I worked in some, uh, I know, you know, uh, jobs, easy jobs in, in just mm -hmm. to make some money in, in Buenos Aires. Then I came to Paraguay because my parents came to Paraguay before me. Okay. Uh, my, my parents were um, in, the, in, the, in the, the clothing industry. So they, they came to Paraguay because Paraguay has, has have and still have a lot of, um, of um, it's easy to make an industry here. You have um, tax, uh, easier taxes, easier, uh, lower taxes. Um, the, the people is very easy to train. They are hard workers. So my parents came to Paraguay before me. And when I, in 90, 1993, 1993, I came to Paraguay to visit my, visit my parents uh, and they, they introduced me to some friends and one of my, my, father, my father's friend was in a, in a store, it's like a Nordstrom store or something, a, a big store here in Paraguay and they needed a marketing manager. I was 23 years old. I never had worked in, in marketing. But my father said, okay, go and be the marketing manager. And I started working my first, let's say, business job was marketing manager for a big store here in Paraguay. And I learned by doing. 
I learned marketing by doing, and that was the beginning of my career uh, here in Paraguay. It was 1993, but the, the main, I think the main uh, event that really changed my life was in 1994, not 1995, when a friend, a friend of mine uh, said, okay, let's open an ISP. Let's, let's put together an ISP. Let, let's bring internet to Paraguay. I said, okay, let's go. What is internet? And he, and he, <laughs> and he said, I don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> we started the first ISP, the first, the first internet service provider in Paraguay. In, uh, wow. And it was it was amazing because I, I and I was the the marketing and commercial uh, director. So my job was to sell internet for people that didn't know what internet was, <laughs> and I didn't know too. So it was very funny. But at the same time, I was in in a moment of internet, in a moment of the business yeah. uh, mm -hmm. environment that was very special. Because I, I, I needed to, to convince people that you need email. Why I need email? I have my fax machine. <laughs> you, you need your, your domain name. Why do I domain? Why do I need my domain name? I have my, my, my brand is, is trademark, so I don't need a domain name. So we started the first internet radio here, the first chat, chat channel here, or the first everything. In, and it was a very, a very innovative uh, environment and it was very funny and I learned a lot. So the, it was a, a, a game changing for me when we started the, the internet in, in Paraguay. It was starting internet in a country, in a whole country. It's a small yeah, country. It's amazing. Only yeah, it's 7 million people. It's not, not a big country, but it was, uh, beginning everything from 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 zero. I mean, we had uh, even the government um, uh, when we when we, we asked for the authorization to have the the satellite link, and uh, the guy uh, the uh, the government that we are talking to at what what are you going to do with that? Well, we want to bring internet to Paraguay, internet. Okay, I'll give you the authorization, but internet is something for people, for lazy people. I mean, for, for people that have nothing to do. So we said, okay. <laughs> and, and it was the beginning of the internet. And now uh, I used to say, when I see a truck, a little truck from a little business when, with the www.domain.something, uh, I say, okay, I was part of that. I was, uh, yeah. was I was not alone. On, uh, it was not, I am not a hero, but I was there at the beginning. And uh, I think it was uh, important for the country. And it was definitely important for me because I learned a lot. I learned a lot. Yeah, I bet. Wow. What an experience. Speaking of experiences, let's talk about Ferrari. Okay. <laughs> tell me, tell me about 2006 and okay. what, tell me about that experience. 
Okay. Well, I, uh, I, I do you want, do you prefer the, the the short version of, of the no? So I want the version. fun, interesting uh, version. Okay. Give me that okay. version. <laughs> I'll try to be not so so long version. Uh, a friend of mine, Argentinian, living in Paraguay, had a bad time in, uh, working, no place to live. So I said, Diego, please come live with me. I have a big house. My, my parents were in, in Uruguay at this time for business for a few years. So I said, OK, I have a big house for me. I'm alone. Come live with me. You can use my computer to work. He was a, a very good uh, designer. He is a very good designer now. He's living back in, in Buenos Aires. And so we, we became really good friends. And then he was hired from, from an Argentinian company. He came, go, go back to Argentina, then to UK and in, from UK to Switzerland. And being in Switzerland, Diego, my Argentinian friend, was in a pub, in a bar, and he heard somebody talking Argentinian, like with the Argentinian accent. So if you are in a place where you heard somebody from your country, okay, it was some, a guy uh, <clears throat> called Albert. So Albert was an Argentinian guy working in Switzerland and they became friends. And Albert was the, man, the shell oil manager for the Ferrari shell uh, brotherhood. You know, Shell and Ferrari are very close, they're like brother companies. So a few months later, Albert called Diego, my friend, and asked, Diego, do you know somebody that speaks Portuguese, uh, Spanish, and English that can talk to the media <laughs> and that knows something about Ferrari and Shell? Well, my first wife was Shell marketing manager in Paraguay. <laughs> so oh, Diego said, it's perfect. Yeah, Diego said to Albert, you will not believe, but I know this guy, he lives in Paraguay. So Albert called me uh, and said, okay, we are doing the most important um, uh, expedition in the history of Ferrari. From Brazil to US, 16 countries, 64 cities, three months, two Ferraris, and uh, some Fiat's and Iveco trucks. So it was huge. And we want you to go. You will be the only one from Latin America. And the budget we have is X. And I, I was thinking at this, uh, this time in the telephone, how will I pay that? I don't know. I, I will sell my kidney. I don't know. <laughs> I must have this. One. And he asked me, is it enough? Then I understand, I understood that they will pay me to be at the most important Ferrari expedition of all time. It was called Ferrari Pan American uh, 20,000. Um, we, we, we traveled for, for three months, um, 16 countries, and we, we had two uh, brand new uh, Ferrari GTB Fiorano 599 GTB Fiorano uh, and it was amazing because I was part of something that I used to see in National Geographic you know and I was a part of that and we had some amazing experience like being in the middle of Peru in the middle of nowhere 
with two brand new Ferraris and <laughs> four four small Fiats that were the the the, the team car the, the the support team cars, and the children in this city in Peru looked more for the Fiats. <laughs> they were more interested in the Fiats because the Fiat, the small Fiat idea, is the the, the 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 brand's Fiat idea. They were like four by four, like more uh, off road than Ferrari. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for the children of this city, being off road is more important than being sportive. So uh, it was like uh, children looking for the small Fiats, ten thousand dollar cars, instead of looking the Ferraris, <laughs> uh, it was a, an amazing uh, experience. But again, I, I learned a lot with Ferrari. I learned why Ferrari is Ferrari. I learned why people say, okay, I have this computer. This computer is the Ferrari of computers. Um, it seems like Ferrari is all, you know, Italian style and, uh, drinks and parties and it's not that at all they are very professional mm -hmm. we had a very very uh, detailed planning for every day uh, everything was planned uh, everything was uh, you have again the right people doing the right thing our doctor at the at the, the expedition was the the the, the, the main doctor for the um, Olympic Committee, International Olympic Committee. So it's the guy who gave us band-aids and, and aspirins, you know, and was a, a huge doctor. Uh, the, the, the leader of the expedition was a guy that traveled one million miles uh, with, with Ferraris. So the, the level of the guys, the, the, the team that was with me was very high. And I learned a lot uh, about uh, how Ferrari uh, built the brand Ferrari. It's not only mm -hmm. making a good car, great car, the best car, but uh, <laughs> how, they, how they work the brand and how they uh, take care of the brand. As I said, I was the guy who talked with the media. And I had a coach for during all the expedition, another uh, person at the team. The only job that this coach had was to talk with me before and after each event, each interview, each, um, um, each if anything that I need to say to uh, the media of, of the uh, some public, I was trained before and I was feedbacked after that. that. So I, I, I cannot say uh, a 599 Ferrari. I cannot because I was so trained to say 599 GTB Fiorano Ferrari. I mean, <laughs> saying all the name in this order like this. Mm -hmm. So they are very professional. It was an amazing. Uh, amazing trip and amazing expedition, but I also learned a lot about uh, building a brand. Why Ferrari is the Ferrari of, of the cars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, that sounds right on the surface, like just a really cool experience, but as you talk about it, right, there's an opportunity to learn about how 
a really, really world famous brand uh, fiercely guards their reputation and how they go about doing that. And then the power of feedback, the power of coaching to, because I have to imagine by the end of that, your delivery was, I don't even know how many times better than it was at the beginning, but I absolutely yeah. know that you were so much more confident and knew exactly what to say as you got further along that your confidence just built along the way. Yes, and, and, and I understood why. That, that's very important. Not only I was well-trained, but I understood why I must mm. say it this way. Like, I must say uh, 612 horsepower and not more than 600. It's 612 horsepower. Why? Because the other brand, Lamborghini, has less than 612. It's 606. Right. I don't know. So <laughs> it was it's different when you have 612 and 606. Well, that I learned during the uh, during the expedition, understanding why something happens, why a brand uh, tells you to 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 use these words or to tell something to to say something this way. So they they really keep the the brand in a high level. And, and the feedback was very important. So having the feedback every day, every day for 64, uh, for 84 days, 64 cities, uh, and 84 days uh, ending the day with a meeting, half hour, half, half hour meeting with somebody telling you, okay, you did that right, you did that wrong, it was not uh, um, like you did that wrong and it's wrong. And I, teaching you to, to, to take care of the brand and to do your job at the highest level you can. So I, I learned that and I understood why, as I said, why Ferrari is Ferrari and why the brands, the, the, the high level brands are like they are. I mean, they, mm -hmm. they take care of, a brand must take care of, of the, especially the words, the words that people use about this brand are very important. I'm, I'm a fan of language. I think language defines what we think or what we do. So, and, and this, this experience only confirmed that language is very important. And I learned Italy, Italian. <laughs> that is just really exciting. <laughs> it also goes to show a little bit the power of luck and being right just knowing the right person at the right time and someone else being at the right place at the right time like your friend running into someone in switzerland in a pub oh. and overhearing and they go oh well we're looking for this 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 and he's like oh well i know a guy well i i, I have a, a conference i i do for free in in colleges and and, and high schools because every guy and every girl I know, especially teenagers and or young people, say, "You are so lucky." It's 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 luck. It's, it's, it's uh, okay. I, I used to say it's living at high speed is the name of the the the, the conference. 
I used to say, oh, okay, I was lucky, but I was ready when the opportunity mm, yeah. came for me. First, I learned English, I learned Spanish, I had a good, a good uh, Portuguese, I, I was trained to speak with the media, so it was not only luck. And I, I gave something to a friend, like a place to live, and yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, 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 I can use my computer to work, and I really didn't think, okay, someday this guy will give me back. No, but when the opportunity came, the guy thought about me, and yeah. uh, when the opportunity came, the I was uh, with the, the skills that I needed to, to get the opportunity. So it, yes, I'm lucky, but I am lucky too to, to have the opportunity to be trained in soft skills and, and empathy to, to when the opportunity passed by me, <laughs> I was ready to, to get it. Yeah, and your generosity led to that. I mean, I think that's important, right? Building skills, because you never know when those skills are going to serve you really yeah. well. And just being generous, because your act of generosity, without that, the whole story doesn't happen. Yes, if my friend Diego just said, you know, I don't have money, I don't have where to live. And I say, okay, that's a pity. I'm so <laughs> sorry for you. And I had no, I was out of the, the, the most important Ferrari expedition of all time. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, generosity is, is worthy. I mean, it's, uh, it's not only feeling well, but, uh, and if you're not generous, you cannot work in CX business. I mean, experience Absolutely. is about generosity. And uh, spirit is uh, CX experience is about wanting the other person to have a good experience. And not only being able to do it, mm -hmm. not only having the skills and the tools and the process, but also wanting the other person to have a great experience, an experience that he will remember or he or she will remember forever. And uh, the pleasure, I, I, I think I learned that with, with uh, acting. I mean, the pleasure you, you have when people applaud you at the end is not, a, is not something about ego. It's about, okay, I give them a good moment. Mm -hmm. And uh, more and more nowadays, I think it's hard to have good moments. I mean, good moments are shorter and they don't occur at the same frequency of, uh, frequency of uh, I don't know, 50 years ago. So if you are able to give good, only good moments to somebody, a moment that people will remember for years or forever, uh, that's CX, that's customer experience management. I mean, uh, the, the, the tools will change. Now we talk about, I don't know, VOC or NPS and everything, but th this will change. What will not change is the fact that when people, when you are able to, to, to give people a good experience, an experience that they will remember uh, as a, a, a moment of pleasure in their lives, uh, that's CX. <laughs> yeah, I, absolutely, 100%. I, I love it. So whew, that was a really fun departure. But 
what are you doing today? Tell me about what you're doing today because you're involved in a, in a number of different things. Yes. Uh, well, actually, my, my sister, my older sisters always ask the same thing. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> I know you just say, hey, I work with marketing, so it's easier to explain. But uh, um, now I, I am the, the, a partner at the, uh, a, a consulting company uh, called, uh, in, in Spanish, Ecosistema de Experiencias. It's like something like experience ecosystem. Um, and what I do and what we do in, uh, here is to, to help companies getting their customers happier. Uh, yes, we use, we use tools and the, the, the usual CX tools like customer journey maps and DOC and metrics and everything. But this is the is not the, the main focus. The main focus is understanding, really understanding what people want, what people need, and what is what are the problems of the people. I used to say problem is something that people needed or wanted and didn't get at the right time. So then you have a problem. A problem was each problem was sometime was a, a need or a want. <laughs> uh, and understanding that and making my, my, my clients understand that their jobs and the, in any industry is to make people uh, happy or satisfied. Uh, so that's what we do. Uh, usually I do it like 70% of my time is consulting. 30% of my time is uh, training. Mm, okay. So um, that, that uh, what I do in my professional side. I'm also the, uh, the, the president of the Paraguayan CX Association, something brand new. Uh, it, and it's new because one year ago, you didn't have companies hiring CX managers in Paraguay or customer chief customer officers or anything like that. So like I experienced when we bring internet to Paraguay, I am experiencing bringing customer experience management to the country. Uh, it's, it's like an, an evangelist business. <laughs> yeah, know? it is. Because uh, I, I, I listen and I, I heard a lot of, of business people telling me, but the process, but the product, and everybody in CX knows that processes and products and services are, was the focus for so many time that it's hard to bring the focus back to people. And that's something that it's not new. We just lost it. And I say we, I mean the, the humankind. We lost it 20, I don't know, no, 20, it's more than 20, 200 years ago. Uh, we lost the, this focus. The, 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 the artisan, the guy who, who made the sword, uh, was very focused not at the sword, but at the guy who used the sword. Mm. And we lost it with the industrial revolution. I think we lost the, the focus and now we are getting it back. 
the focus in what people need, what people want, what make their lives easier and uh, happier. So yeah, that's, uh, that's what I do now. Um, it's hard to sell, but when I sell, <laughs> uh, it's, it's great because you can see how people uh, inside the companies are waiting for that. They are waiting to be back to the customer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. people. I think people in in companies are tired of processes. Pro, I love processes. I love uh, products and and services. But I think people are tired of having that as their main focus. Yeah, the main and, and not having other person as the main focus. And especially young people, they are not. They don't want to to have focus in processes and and products they want to have focus on people and if you can bring it as as a new culture or, or bring this culture back to the companies i think it's a it's a great job yeah 100 now so are you only working with companies in paraguay or are you branching out into neighboring countries as well well, one, one of the things, uh, the, the answer is yes, I'm, I'm branching, I'm, I'm working with companies in Brazil, in Argentina, uh, in Chile, in Colombia. Uh, one of the things I'm, I'm working a lot <laughs> for free, but uh, I mean, working <laughs> in, uh, any, anyway, is uh, trying to, to destroy the wall between Brazilian Portuguese and all the Hispanic world uh, we have uh, 300 uh, million people speaking, more than 300 million people speaking Spanish, 200 million people speaking Portuguese in, in Brazil, but Brazilians don't speak Spanish. So one of my uh, um, fields of, of work is uh, connecting, linking, um, especially CX people from Brazil with CX people from all the Hispanic countries, from Mexico to Argentina, Chile, and all the more friendly countries, and obviously Spain, uh, because uh, Brazil is, is like an island. I mean, because they only speak in Portuguese, uh, and uh, I remember I, I never learned Spanish in school in, in Brazil. I learned English. Not, not, not Spanish, and we have, I mean, our neighbors are Spanish uh, speakers. So I'm, I'm like doing the link between the, the CX associations, uh, especially Amigos do CX, that it means Friends of CX is the main organization of CX in Brazil with all the other associations, uh, CX associations in Latin America. Something I, I like to, to do. And I'm also teaching in the first CX MBA in Brazil. And it's funny because the, the college that organized this, the, the, the CX MBA in Brazil, in Portuguese, is from Ireland. <laughs> I mean, it's from Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, the, the, the owners are Brazilian. That's why they, they started in Brazil, the MBA, so I, I teach at in this MBA, and now we are trying to organize. We are trying. We are in the the last um, movements to to organize the same MBA in Spanish for all the 
it will be the first Spanish MBA specialized in CX in Latin America. We we don't know awesome other other uh, the MBA with the, with the, the certification of MBA. There is a lot of good programs and workshops and but uh, as an MBA, it will be the first in Spanish. That's exciting. Well, you're no stranger to firsts. So uh -huh. I'm confident you're going to get that done because uh, you've clearly done a lot of firsts in yes. in your life and, and there's more to come, I'm sure. It's easier to do something when you are the first because the other people don't know the mistakes. <laughs> they have nothing to compare it to. Yes, when, when we started internet and people said, okay, it's not working. No, it's like that. You just must need to, <laughs> to wait for three days and it, it will work and it's like that all over the world. It, so, it has to reboot and it yes. takes a while. Just let it reboot for a few yeah. days. It's yes. <laughs> Well, Marcos, I really appreciate you being so generous with That's your incredible. time. It has been really just exciting to talk to you and, and learn about all of the really interesting things that you've done. And um, it's, it's exciting to see what other people are doing all around the world. And, and uh, I'm really excited to, to share what you're doing with my audience. And that's, that's something I learned from CX uh, from CX people, CX people are very generous. I think it's one of the, the fields of business where we are not afraid to share. I mean, uh, my experience is that, that I learned a lot with a lot of people from all over the world uh, in the CX business. And it's not, a, it's not a field where we are like jealous of knowledge. And uh, I think it's very important, maybe because of the soft skills you need to have to be in CX. <laughs> but uh, I, I think it's the first time where I uh, found a field of business where people are really generous. I mean, people are um, really uh, open to share knowledge. And I think it's very mm -hmm. important for the CX business, for business, and it's very important for for a human being. I mean, sharing knowledge is what may save us. <laughs> yes, I absolutely agree. Well, thank you for sharing your knowledge. I really appreciate it.